Hey, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And this is the From First to Last podcast. Cue the theme song! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez Louise. Hey there, welcome to the From First to Last podcast. This is a podcast where we work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from their first film all the way through to their last film, Craig. We are looking after Mr. Uh, Robert Zemeckis. Yes, Mr. Robert Zemeckis, a man that we've seen grow, 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 and then get to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which we'll talk about as we get through. I don't know why. I said that we're looking after him because he's, he's not a sick child that we're no. we're nursing. <laughs> no, no. But um, he's not a special dinosaur. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a special <laughs> dinosaur. He's oh, not a special gosh. dinosaur. He's he's a grown man. <laughs> grown man. I um, I'm both proud and ashamed <laughs> of that. <laughs> the, the I, I love that. Seriously, <laughs> that I, and I'm I'm actually terrified now to look it up just in case it wasn't called special dinosaurs. Uh, Land Before Time special dinosaurs because <laughs> I really don't want to break that bubble in my mind that oh, there is one man. or it's special friends or some of that. Special oh, friends is even I, worse. I gotta find it. I gotta find it. And and <laughs> and, and even if I'm wrong, I'm just gonna Photoshop it <laughs> <laughs> and put it oh, up man. on our Insta. I listened back to it this week uh, as I do for editing purposes, and I was just like, oh gosh, Jeff. Like it's very <laughs> funny. Really, I listened in- back and I was so proud of you. <laughs> <I was laughs> we're like, in such Ooh. a politically correct world that I know someone's going to find it offensive. Oh, look, I think they're going to... F- there's always something to be offended about oh, these days, man. man. And, like, while obviously there's a, there's, there is a level of respect for everyone, I just basically, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. I'm not going to lie. I had a good time. Mm. And even listening back to it, do you, know what's, do you know what's really strange? It's when I'm listening to it with my headphones on. And I laugh out loud at a joke that you or I make. <laughs> and my laugh is actually the exact same laugh that I did in the recording. <laughs> this is so mine. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I do that high-pitched laugh, that cackle I have. And then Mine's I just... like a goofy... <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, gosh. Well, yeah. speaking of offensive, Craig... Uh, <laughs> um, not offensive. Well, last week, if you tuned in, we uh, rounded out the Back to the Future series with yeah. uh, Back to the Future Part 3. We're really excited. We had our friend John on board to help us our as a beautiful guest. John. And um, he sounded great on the podcast. He did. He has a beautiful <laughs> podcast voice he and does. the head for it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a great time talking about that. And um, I'm missing him. I'm missing him. I'm stretching out here. He like last week he was on a chair at Johnny, my feet. Johnny, come back! Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, come back! <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and he was sitting stretching out at our feet. And, oh, was, I miss poor I, John. Can I say I'm just going to throw an apology out to the people listening at home, just for one thing, <laughs> another one. Well, well, <laughs> seriously, we're going to have to do heaps of these. <laughs> well, I, I, I see our future of a lot of apologies, and retraction. <laughs> this is not for offensive and blaming nature. Blaming it on alcohol. Blackout yeah. drunk, as Kevin and I would say. <laughs> oh, I, I just want to apologise because I've been listening back to some older episodes um, just to, to keep the social media up to date and things yeah. like that. Um, and I've realised how often both you and I start telling a story and we get about a sentence in 
and then we tangent off onto something else, <laughs> laugh for a bit, and never come back to the story. Well, I think I think it's a good thing, you know. We're just keeping the mystery going. <laughs> the mystery going. Listen, people at home. Send us a little uh, email, message, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. Direct messages. Yep. Slide on in there. And Threatening uh, message. You can put <laughs> all caps all if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but you what we want to hear is tell us the story that we started that you want to hear more on. Yeah, exactly. And we'll go back to it. I think Craig and I have been discussing a little idea we'd love your feedback on too, which is occasional revisited episodes. Yes, that we, that we pop in sort of midweek. So if you're thinking we need, say, our first episode was from first to last origins, if mm-hmm. you want a revisited <laughs> origin, story, <laughs> origin story, we got more tales. Oh, we got a lot we more can, tales. We can go down the Madagascar tooth security oh, yeah, threat exactly. road. I think we, I think we we're a little bit held back that week because we we're a bit <laughs> worried because it's like our first podcast. Yeah, but now that we're a yep. little bit more confident, a bit more swagger, <laughs> <laughs> we're willing to go and throw it in pieces. People's faces, uh, like quite literally. <laughs> all right. Well, let's not beat around the bush, Craig. Let's not. Let's, let's not. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get into what we're here for today. And you know what? Happy tenth anniversary, Craig, because it's our tenth episode. Yay! Yeah, we made um, it. We're big boys now. I know. Are we big boys now? I know. You know uh, what? Um, we're going to get sent from iTunes a tenth uh, episode uh, commemorative plaque from Tim. Yeah, signed Tim Cook. <laughs> So, so it's actually uh, uh, a life-size bust of his head that we can sit here in the studio. I just pat it. Yeah, good that's luck. Right, that's right. That's right. We love you, Tim. Because we hold do all our iTunes love. <laughs> we do, Tim. We do. So today's the f- the eighth film of Robert Zemeckis that we've watched. Yes, and we're discussing. And can you believe it's eight? Films that we've watched. I know, amazing. And, you know, it's so funny. It's um, looking at some of, um, just for just for other reasons, I was looking at some other director's filmographies. Yep. And some of them are around about eight. Yep. Totally. You know I mean? You just, are you peeking at my notes? Oh, no. Because literally, no, it's so good that we're on the, uh, we're little, we're almost we're on the same wavelength. Pacific Rim mind melding <laughs> here. Um, but, yeah, eight films, like, there are, are very popular directors nowadays who mm. are successful directors. Yeah, that, that is the entirety of their filmography. So what? Well, Tarantino. What does he say? And he's going to finish off. I think. Ten? Well, Hateful Eight was his eighth. So, yeah. Yeah. So we got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood must be nine, and then one more, and he's done. And you know, yeah. when you when you think about the journey Zemeckis has taken. Yeah, exactly. From I want to hold your hand through to Death Becomes Her. Um. Yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty crazy to think. Here's a controversial um, question. Yeah. Who's had the most impact on film? Ooh. In that time frame? Like in an eight film time frame? Or if, if, you've, if you're just comparing these two, not in the eighth time frame. Are we talking Tarantino versus Tarantino Zemeckis? versus Zemeckis. Ooh. Just if you were to say, okay, say... The film God's Come Down. Yeah. You know, Orson Welles there, I'm sure. And he, they said, look. You need to basically um, take one of these out of the timeline. Yeah, Bobby Z's going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly, you know me, I'm sort of. Oh. Do you know what? I'd I say think, Tarantino's gone. I think Tarantino, um, the movie gods, are, see, Tarantino's got a bigger fan base than I think Zemeckis. And I, I think yeah, you can, I could say to my dad, hey, do you want to go see the new Quentin Tarantino film? Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, oh, mate. Not going to go see that movie. 
Yeah. But he knows who Tarantino is. Yeah, but I'm thinking more of a world without Tarantino. Like, if Do you think the world could move on and not? Yeah, it wouldn't. I, I think because a lot of Tarantino's films are always an homage back to. Yeah, they're a bit niche as well. Yeah, they're very niche. Yeah, People who love niche-y. Tarantino flat out love Tarantino. Oh, yeah, they're like Nolanites, man. Yeah. Like you. Yeah, I'm not a Nolanite. <laughs> I'm not a Nolanite. I'm, I'm more of a... Nolisms. Yeah, yes, I Nol- do like Nolanisms. I do like uh, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. I won't deny it. I enjoy his films. Uh, I'm not like one of these sweaty keyboard warrior... Um, oh, yeah, who would just I'll like... call in a SWAT team if you say bad things about Christopher Yeah, true, Nolan. true. And we'll probably get those sweaty keyboard warriors after this one. <laughs> Lou. Uh, look, hey, look, it's not... We're I, in I a get sweaty fortress, a suckers. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I get sweaty, and it's, but I'm watching something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> it's death becomes her. <laughs> it's death becomes her, yeah, so, exactly. Craig, we've... Um, the little journey that gets taken, let's get there. Let's between get into it. Back to the Future 3 to Death Becomes Let's her. get into the darkness. We've got two years between films. So Back to the Future 3 comes out in 1990. This is 92. Um, You'd want a break. You, look, and let's be honest, this is one of those things where how do you back it up? Yeah, true, very You know, true. like for those who enjoy um, football, a.k.a. soccer in the world, yep. whenever there's been a successful team manager whoever is the next person coming in you don't want to be that person oh hell yeah because they're always going to get compared like manchester united not a manchester united fan just putting that out there but (laughs) manchester united had probably the greatest manager of all time in alex ferguson yeah sir alex ferguson he even got knighted knighted but the manager that overtook him it's almost like you have to have like this strange sacrificial lamb (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, know exactly. that is purely chosen to fail. Yeah, and his predecessor, um, or the who followed on from him, yeah, failed. Um, How badly did he fail? Oh, terribly. He's he had one more job after that, and then it's pretty much gone into like football purgatory. Oh. You know, so and it's purely because, and he was a good manager too. So it wasn't like he was a bad. He just he, followed the wrong person. He just person. followed the wrong person. And you were always going to fail. Comedians like, have this same problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I'm i going to throw it out there. This could be a problem for Death Becomes Her, but we'll get there later because it yeah. doesn't matter what you do after it, after something gets big as Back to the Future. You know. But also, let's also think about the run that he's been on yeah. and how tiring it must have been. So he pretty much went from Back to the Future, then he went, Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> and then two and three back to... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. That prom- the promotional tool behind it, the post-editing... Yeah. And the expectations. The expectation, like, or even just yeah. the innovation behind um, all the technology involved in all of these movies. Yeah. Man, you would be exhausted yeah, by the end. Yeah, you would be. At the end of three, you'd just be like, oh, I just want to And I guess in a way, it's probably surprising that he... Only took two years to fire into this. Yeah, very true. Because you'd probably think, just imagine if Zemeckis took another two years off. Yeah. His next film is Forrest Gump. So if you didn't make this film. Yeah. And just put all your efforts into Forrest Gump and then release the film that Forrest Gump is, you basically go down in film history as a great. Oh, yeah. He's already down there. Like, you know, he was already seen as a great director. 
but you lock it down as a oh yeah a phenomenal director. Gump's locked it down. Yeah. yeah exactly. So so uh, anyway, so something really interesting. Uh, we'll get to how we felt about the film <laughs> soon, which we haven't talked to each other about. We have but not. I think we're almost on the same oh, wave. Like golly, but it'll be interesting. Uh, so the. Here's something really interesting I found about it, which I sort of wish I knew before watching it because it actually makes a lot of sense now. But the film itself yeah. actually started as a sequel to Tales from the Crypt. Ah. Uh, yeah, see. Oh. Yeah, right? Oh, wow. That that puts it in a whole new Suddenly things start making sense, don't yeah, they? Yeah, because as, as a Tales of the Crypt... Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Like if it said Tales of the Crypt presents, yeah. You know, like if you look about what is it, the Demon Knight, you know, with Billy yep. Zane, that was the same. Um, or man, that it it feels like a Tales of the Crypt film. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. That I wish I knew that before. Same. Same. I totally. It totally probably would have. It's again like we talk about every single week. I sort of feel the need to go back and watch it again. Um, yeah. With this information, I wish it was, and and there's more that we'll talk about again later, um, that sort of will explain further why I want to go back and have another watch as well. Because yeah. there's a few things like doing a bit of research. I found out it's actually considered a cult comedy classic. It's 25 years old, 25 plus years old now. Yeah. So cult it's considered a cult comedy classic. You which, know, it's the same people who like to use guns. They're doing double like, showings at the drive-in. Yeah, exactly, it's a double. It's a double showing <laughs> with the whole body, with a whole bunch of trench coats. But and what's coats. really <laughs> interesting is it has a massive following in the gay community. Really? Yeah. So in the US, it has a massive uh, following as a go- uh, seen as a gay sort of campy cult classic. I can see the campiness. Yep. But so, that's where I, I yeah, that's where I sort of see it ends. Yeah, so just going by what my research brought up. I'm basing on themes. I'm looking at themes like the themes. Look, if the guys if you're out there from the community, please shout us out if yeah, there's a theme, we'd love there's to a know. common theme that, what is it? that creates a yeah, that creates a relatable um theme or theme against it. So yeah, yeah just basically yeah, hit us up cuz I can't, yeah. And you know what? If if there's enough sort of um, discussion and conversation about this on the social media, we will hit it with a revisited episode. Because um, maybe we will watch it again. And it's sort of like going back to it going, oh, we get it. Maybe you know? we need to just do a double night of just this news cars. Yeah. The, it's it's highly possible, Craig, because we oh, really... Look, I, I, I'm, I'm still blown away by the Tales of the Crypt note. It's it shifts yeah. everything, doesn't it? Does, it does, it does. Because, uh, look, because I've been sh- I was struggling to find the tone. Well, but can which I tell you? We'll get into a little bit later. We will, we will, because I really want to get to the tone because I think it's going to give some great discussion. But we'll just hit a few of these things and then we'll kick into it because we're really close here anyway. Awesome. So the film actually we talked about last um, week with Back to the Future ending. It was the last collaboration between Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Yeah. Who was his writing partner for the majority of his early films? Bye, Bob. Yeah, by Bob. Um, this is written by uh, one of the writers is David Coep. Now, if oh, that yeah. name sounds familiar, it does. But I'll just rattle me. off what his film After Death Becomes Her was that he wrote. Go for it. Just a little film called Jurassic Park. Ah. Okay. Also wrote Raimi's first Spider-Man and the first Mission Impossible. Oh wow! A massive 
boy's like a franchise yeah. maker. Yeah, but Do he does Transformers. Part he one? does have occasion, <laughs> occasional films that aren't that great. But uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't Don't write them. All. I didn't write them down, so I won't use my phone. But when you really think about this film, the cast that they put together for 1992. Yeah, we're talking about three of the biggest stars in the world at that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like Meryl Streep. I think there's a miscast, but I'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about that, and I think I may have a little fact about the miscast cool. if, we're on, if we cool. are on that mind-meld same wavelength. But, like, when you think about Meryl Streep, she would have just been the superstar that Meryl Streep has yeah, always exactly, been. exactly. Oh, well, Meryl Streep sort of turned off the radar a little bit um, yep. early 2000s. Yep. Um, where she's basically kicked back in now, obviously, yeah. with these Mamma Mia's onwards. Yeah, she sure has. And and for her, um, I didn't. I don't know how I felt about her in the, in the film, uh, but she's come out in the press and said she took the role yeah. because it was such a departure from everything else she was doing at the time. I thought she was good in it. Did you? Yeah, I oh. thought she was good in it. That's... I. I I I thought she was well suited for the role. Yeah, um, it's just some of the others that I'm just a bit. It's interesting because it depends. It's looking really weird. back at some it. Some scenes, yeah, they feel miscast. Yeah, and then some scenes you're like, oh, that's really good. You pulled that off really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I totally agree. Again, like Goldie Horn, like at 92, yeah. she's like one of the sexiest, Huge. biggest stars around. Yeah, exactly. Huge. It's like her and Kurt Russell are just doing all their... Third on a wire. Yeah, they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. So you got Goldie Hawn. And then we get to, which I feel may be your uh, <laughs> miscast, Mr. Bruce Willis. Horrible. And when we really look at what Bruce Willis is up to right there, he's just come off the back of Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2, and the wow. Look Who's Talking movies. Which so he's gigantic. He is massive. And when you really think about it, again... You could see why he took the role. I can see why he took it. For what was probably at that time, he and Arnold Schwarzenegger were the two biggest action stars in the yep. world at the time. Definitely, yeah. To be a bookish, shy, sort of Yeah, I think he was trying loser. to stretch he was trying to stretch out his acting chops yeah, a bit. Yeah. I, I agree. think he's given up on that now. He knows uh, what his strengths are and he just doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Just, he? he just plays cranky Bruce Willis. Yeah, I think it's now. just Bruce Willis. I think it's just Bruce Willis. Willis. I don't even think yeah. he acts now. I'd be I think all these characters are called Bruce as well. I am very <laughs> interested to see how Bruce Willis goes in the next Die Hard movie. Because it's almost like, mm. there, you know, there is, for those at home that don't know, there is a, a, a Die Hard, is it a prequel? It's a prequel sequel. Yeah, two at once. So it's, yeah, so supposedly it has... Something to do with when he was a cop. Yeah. And then it comes back to haunt him now. And it's sort of like, when you think about the Die Hard franchise, it's almost like we're talking maybe the last chance for the franchise. If they don't nail the sixth one, because really four and five have been pretty poop. Oh, pretty horrible. Pretty yeah. horrible. I've liked the idea of them. Like, I like the idea of them, the concepts of them. Like, when you, when you first hear it, five and six on paper and stuff like that, yep. you know, this is McLean and his son, or this is McLean and, and Justin Long. Um, I was like, oh, this, this sounds interesting. Then I watch it, it's not interesting at all. Yeah. It's pretty crap. I feel as though, though, when we're talking franchises or sequels, mm. as soon as a child is introduced into the mix, yeah, I feel like you've reached the rock bottom. True. 
Like if you think about I'm franchises think. that were really good. So let's say here's one that I think is very underrated um franchise. Yeah. Is the Mummy movies. I love the Mummy movies. Yeah. But one, two, great. You bring a kid into the mix for three, poop. True. Very, very true. And so as soon as someone brings a kid into the mix. Same with Rocky. Yep. And crap. Once he's, ah, couldn't stand it when he was somewhere in there. And so like there's probably a whole heap. My brain's just not going there. But as soon as you start bringing a kid into the plot and as the catalyst for a lot of things. Godfather 3 is considered the lesser of the films. You know, the kid, I'm going through in time to come, the introduction of a kid is going to be considered Really, the jump the shark. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you're doing that if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for the um for the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's actually very true. I was trying to think. I could. I, I, there's something on the side of my mind about there's one, um, a sequel with a kid, but I just can't remember it for the life of me now. Yeah, there'll be a lot of people at home going. Oh, what about come on, this guys? Movie? I'm what actually currently looking ahead at uh, at all my movie collection yeah, behind your collection? What's your new and, collection? Well, even to an extent. Um, Think of the Batman movies from the Tim Burton era going oh, yeah. on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> once once Dick Grayson comes into the mix, he's not a legitimate child, but in the comic books, he becomes the ward of, of Batman. Yeah, yeah. We've got weakness again. Yeah, very true. Um, it's true. Batman Forever, probably getting weak, oh, but really Batman and just... Robin yeah, is the moment that horrible. we've hit rock bottom. Wow. Um, and so, again, hit us up on the on the social media, which is at FFTL Podcast yep. um, or info at FFTLPodcast.com. So FFTL Podcast is our thing for everything. Everything. But Get hit on, us up because we want to know, if you think we're on the right track, Back us up. Throw yeah, us something yeah, in Yeah, exactly. There. I'm trying to think of something. Like, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to go through all these sequels in my mind. And, you know what I mean? I just can't think of any that I've just, I'm one over when there's a kid attached. Yeah. Because most of the times, the kids are annoying yep. as hell. Yep. And they just destroy part of the film. Yeah, and generally. They're incredibly miscast every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, Because they always go with someone, well, the Coppola went with his daughter. Yep. So did. Oh, so did um, Sylvester Stallone. He went yeah. with his son, um, which I can always remember him fight, screaming, he took my room! <laughs> and I hated that bit when he's fighting, when um, Balboa was fighting Tommy Gunn. But man, seriously. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. you're on to something here, Jeff. So I, I will, just thinking more about it, The Mummy Returns does have the kid in it, does he? With his three mummies? And then the third one yes, was when he's, he's a grown-up grown kid, and that that's really poop. Yeah, but the second one it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do hugely weigh on the nah, kid. No, you know what I mean? Like these adventures where they've got to go save their now son, who's basically yeah, like the Die Hard, going back to obviously Bruce Willis, Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana Jones. Yes, the beef. Yeah, yeah, could have done without the beef. Yeah, see, I just think they're times that are unnecessary. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and plus also, it's. I've always found them to be unrelatable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So I don't even remember how we got there, Craig, but it was good chat anyway. Bruce Willis. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Five and six. Good, good. Oh McClane. yeah, cool. There cool, we go. Cool. So yeah, that's so, a small memory thing. That's like a memory <laughs> nudge. Thanks Hashtag memory nudge. <laughs> memory bump. <laughs> we just got bump. a memory bump there. Thanks, Craig. So, you know, ninety two it is a time where these three actors are all pretty big and you can see why Zemeckis cast them. And, yeah, you know, exactly. really, if we think about it, this is the moment where Zemeckis is like, he, you he got can. you got the key. Yeah. Take whoever you want. 
Exactly. He now, could just choose, and everyone would just be falling over to work with him. Yep. Like, 100%. And the studios would have been just so keen to get this made, especially with these oh, actors. His and name Zemeckis. his name alone from the director of Back to the Future. Exactly. Is is just massive. Do you want to hear what other films were released in 90s? Yes, I do. Now, I've been a bit worried that we've been going. I've, there's so many good yeah, movies every year. We're allowed to. We're, we're film nerds, man. I'm, I'm going to bring it down so we do 10 each week. Ten films that were released in that time. Oh, really? Do we only do around ten? Uh, sometimes they get a bit more because there's so much goodness. <laughs> okay, um, cool, cool. So the number one film of that year yep. was Aladdin. Oh! Worldwide. So Aladdin came out in 92. A diamond in the rough. So, yeah. Next up was The Bodyguard. Ah, oh, I love my Kevin. So Kevin was huge Kevin this is time. huge. And this is the... This is, uh, I do have a note. This is the era of Kevin. Like oh, Kevin is, is everywhere, Kevin. isn't he? Yeah. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are in the Kevin heaven. Also, um, really big that year was Home Alone two. Hmm? Big in so, our household. Um, and Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah, <laughs> yep. going any further into that? Yikes. Let's leave it at that one. Biff Tannen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Basic Instinct was released in ninety two. Little bit of a giant, also. So well, and we are getting to a sort of time. There was a real strange era for probably three or four years yeah. in the 90s mm-hmm. where sexual thrillers were really, was, really popular. It was really the Joe Astaris era. Uh, yeah. The screenplay wrote, obviously, of this, and then he went on to write Sliver yep. as well. Pretty much the show. Was he part Stoner. of uh, Showgirls? Did he do Showgirls? No, uh, Paul no. Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. Sh- showgirls. But, yeah, there was this really strange sort of era where it was like, Really attractive women were being hired with the sole purpose of getting people in to see them. Exactly, nude. it's it's like boobies made a jump from comedy yep. to drama, yeah, oh no, to psychosexual to thrillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To which actually, it probably spawned the sexual thriller yeah, genre. Quite you know what possibly, I mean? hey. it's normal, just normal thriller. You know what I mean? And then um, now there's such things as sexual thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also released this year, I didn't write it down. They don't have to do with babysitters and the guy's accidentally sleeping with the babysitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Crying Game was also released in 92. I didn't write that on my list, but keeping in that oh, no, sort of... sexual... Yeah, yeah. that sort of um, genre. Popping out a little bit of doodle. That's right. And that guy is in Star- Stargate. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in the Stargate films with Kurt Russell. There we go. We can bring Way. it back to Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, he's the um, the main bad guy. And you know, again, I didn't put any put it <laughs> two and two together until just then. Kurt Russell, Goldie Horn, Zemeckis. Oh, look at us! Um, We're just pew. there. You go. Segway, segway, segway. Uh, also released is Lethal Weapon three. Awesome. Yeah. So ninety two is a pretty pretty good year it's for just, the blockbuster film. Is this isn't the it? Joe Pesci? One? Joe Pesci, uh, yep. Chris Rock. No, Chris four is in. Yeah, four is, four is Chris, Chris Rock. Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three part three. Yep. Little little bit of memory zing for Jeff Reed right there. Um, I had the theme song to Lethal Weapon 3 on Cass Single. On oh, Cass Single? Yep. And it was Sting oh, wow. and Eric Clapton singing, It Was Probably Me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Even, <laughs> with, that, with that sexy little saxophone in the background. Um, so check it out. Probably Me, awesome Sting, sax. Eric Clapton. Also released in 92 as a big film for Jeff Reed. We've talked about it before on the podcast. My Two first, on No. <laughs> my first ever uh, cinema experience memory, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Thank you, Nana Townsend. Oh. We love you. She made some great slices and cakes for my wedding, Craig. Oh, awesome. 
Um, and it was a good movie, Batman Returns. Batman Returns is a great movie. It is. Danny it is. DeVito chomping snouts. Oh, man, that was just hardcore. Cause, and it was also dirty because the blood was so black. It, it was. And I'm going to talk about Tim Burton a bit later on, too. So I'm awesome. really glad we've got this little segue in oh, there. Oh, we're getting this really um, good. So, yeah, also released. I don't know why I wrote it, but I've written Basic Instinct down twice. So, obviously, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed One that film. <laughs> oh, um, also, Michael Douglas, there you go. Yeah, Michael Douglas, that's go. exactly right. Um, so, Mechus has just built an empire and they've all just sure jumped off has. his hand. He sure has. Also released is a very special film for me, is the first re- uh, theatrical release for David Fincher in Alien 3. Alien 3, one of the most troubled productions yeah. ever. And I really hope one day, currently it's not locked into our programming schedule, yeah. but I hope we get to go to Alien 3 because there is such a history behind that film. It's huge. The like film, a wooden planet. Yeah, yeah. Man. Which you could probably argue that that idea was stolen um for future Star Wars movies, when there's that uh, episode seven has that big fight, you think it's on a um, on a planet. The trees are all collapsing, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and you find out that actually is just a yeah a massive like man made thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so a- you know, like could be a possible jump just from a Death Star to how big could you go? But you know, that was the idea of. Uh, of Alien Three was a giant wooden planet Man, that was a prison. That, that that whole idea shock and awes me. Yeah, and, and imagine way. if Fincher pitched it today. I would love to see show me the money. I would love to see Fincher just revisit the oh. Alien, almost like him just dealing with these issues. Yeah, and just going. Fuck it! I'm just going to revisit it. And yep. I'm going to show you how it's done now. <laughs> this is me. This is Fincher now. Hey, look. Who Could would you imagine thought... his opening sequence? Oh, if it was just, or even his opening credits, if it was like um, "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo," oh, which is one of the shut best the opening. front door. Yeah, which one can I tell you a funny little uh, tidbit about that? Ooh, yes, I love so, this tidbit. So we're doing a tidbit about the opening of credits Girl of with the Girl Dragon, Dragon Tattoo, Tattoo, which, if you've seen it, is sort of like this interesting. It's, it's like a Bond-esque um, yeah. opening with like oil and bass notes sort yeah, of vibrating like oil and beautiful, things like man, that. Beautiful. But Fincher went to the makers of that movie. I wish I could remember the the figure. But the the number that's jumping in my head, which I hope is right, correct me if I'm wrong. It's okay to correct me if I'm wrong, people at home. But $8 million damn, to do that opening sequence and just went in and said, I have to have it for this movie. And they're like, well, this is David Fincher, so here's your money. So I think that's worth it. He almost got... <laughs> The budget a lot of the mo- a lot of movies nowadays would die to have, yeah, in order to do his uh, wow. his opening sequence, which is pretty it's pretty crazy town. Um, also released, I wrote this one down because it's a personal favorite of mine: Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. Oh wow! Oh, really? Yeah, I've only ever seen it once. Oh man, I've only ever seen it once, and I just remember the last scene where is it the last scene where he's. His jacket's just hanging in the cupboard or something? Oh, I'm thinking I might be going crazy. Leap of Faith is uh, where Steve Martin the is, a, is a faith the, the healer, man. but he's but, conning people. And he ends up and then actually healing someone. miracles start happening within the town. Yeah. And and it's all about the way that this um, sleazy con man's life is changed by this town. And it's just a, it's an amazing film. It's, it's one of those funny things that you always think Steve Martin's a fool. 
Until you yeah. revisit his films and you oh. find there's so much intelligence in oh, a lot even, of his films. Even his film, The Fool. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like there's so much intelligence in a lot of his films. He's an intelligent comedian. I am a huge fan of Steve Martin as Inspector Clouseau in his Pink Panther movies. <laughs> but my wife hates them. <laughs> so it's almost like... I have to hide in the room to watch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of, yeah. I like, I'm sort. I haven't really fallen in love with them because, admittedly, I've never watched a full episode, uh, full film of them. Um, with you know those. Ones yeah, because, yeah. But uh, still, I, I would just know that he acts. He just puts. He's so, so much good in them. Yeah, hey, exactly. He's Steve like. Martin. He's like. I, I feel like Inspector Clouseau, even though it's not a French character. Yeah. Uh, he's a French character but it's yeah. not a french made character he's like a french mr bean and if anyone <laughs> likes mr bean it's I like you that. get that one. sort of that sort of screwball sort of slapsticky nature all through his films that i yeah. just love um lastly the last of the mohicans ah daniel day lewis man this he, he tried to step into the uh mainstream a yeah, little bit here, yeah, you know? yeah and he was he did it well he a was great, dashing dude, man, like a good looking yep. dude. It was a and Michael Mann really, yeah, again just coming out with yeah, something killing it, and it was such a good film, man, such a good film, and you never you never expect it to, yeah, you never expect it to be that good. Like I remember watching it and just going, oh yeah, Daniel Day Lewis is a very serious actor, and even though yes, this is still a serious film in itself, but yeah, Last of Morgans, man, was just glorious, loved it. It was, and it I was an it interesting the other day. Interesting little time in cinema, sort of that Dancing with Wolves really brought it back. There was like a, a resurgence of sort of Native American yeah, tales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there was like, and again, you even think like we're back in the Western time for the 90s with Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah. So just lots of things that featured Native Americans around that era that was sort of going on. So, um, so that's 92 and there are a heap of other films, but again... Every year, every year every we talk year. about, we're just like, oh my gosh, there are a lot of good movies. There are a lot of good movies, man. It's look, even going back to Bodyguard, I love oh, Bodyguard. I, I, I love. When Bodyguard. I was writing that down, I was like, perhaps this is what I will watch this evening. Oh, the seriously, seriously. There's a uh, on a little anecdote. Um, I used to call Jeff. At, we used to work together, <laughs> 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 and I used to call Jeff, and I'd actually oh, play gosh. it down the phone. Yes, um, that quiet bit in "I'll Always Love You," where it goes, and I, and I used to play it to Jeff on the phone. Often, I could Often. also see your face yeah. <laughs> from across the room. And I, <laughs> I would, uh, I would constantly come back to my desk to find uh, voicemail messages. And I'd first dread, oh gosh, what work am I going to have to do? And then, <laughs> and then I'd start playing them, and Craig would sing in the highest pitch voice <laughs> some random song um, that really here's a, here's a memory thing for you. I don't know what's happened to him, but Craig used to regularly sing songs by the Scissor Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still I still don't feel like dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a common thing. So oh, or so, just texting you random um, lyrics from. Killers album, <laughs> which I still do. You still do. I'm pretty sure Craig Killian has not lo- stopped listening to Samstown since. Uh, I listened to Samstown the other day. About 2008, <laughs> I think it was. Um, so that's 92 for film, and if you sort of get an idea of, um, I didn't even write down how high worldwide Death Becomes Her was. It was because it w- well, <laughs> I'm making an assumption. It it uh, it grossed. It was considered a success. 
Oh, cool. Um, it made $144 million worldwide. That is successful. That's um, around that but time. But comparing to what the 10th highest film was, that was $294 million that year. So worldwide. that was just a pretty big year. It was a big People year. People were just getting I, I out think in droves. You'd probably look back at this and, and see that 92 was a blockbuster year. Like, you know, yeah, the, the yeah, year of those, blockbusters? Yeah, we're just, it, it's just, it was a, it was a very. Flush year for the studios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like you think, uh, even on a Home Alone two front, yeah, that's Colkin in his prime. Yeah, that is Colkin. And Home prime. Alone amongst families, I can remember growing up, it was the film everyone wanted to see. Exactly, it was. Uh, it was and Aladdin. Yeah, and Aladdin. Aladdin. So man. and Home Alone was third. So you know, like Gah. it's a big year. Yeah, that's it's a, a big huge year. year. And that's once again Robin Williams at his peak. Yeah. Hundred percent, Aladdin, and I, so I did funny. have the um, the pleasure to. We've talked about it before. Interview um, Alan Menken, who wrote all the music for Aladdin. Yeah. And during that discussion, it was awesome. He actually said that a lot of the times they had stuff written, and then they'd just say, "Hey, Robin, we're going to keep playing stuff. You have a little sing over the top and see what you can come up with in there." So, so little things like <laughs> you know that you never had a friend like me. Never song. had a friend like me. Was just like they they had it, and that was just Robin Williams being let loose. Oh man, what a brilliant man! And yeah, an amazing you, man. man. So ninety two, great year. Um, so listen, I'm going to be honest, Craig. I don't know how to describe this film uh, <laughs> or really sum up perfectly what it's all about. But I'm sure, just like you and I. There's going to be some people out there who have not seen this film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I look, I honestly encourage people to go out and see this film. Yeah, this definitely. isn't a movie where I'd be dismissive of it. I think um, once again, if we were if we were talking standalone, if we weren't doing this whole Zemeckis thing, I'd be like, yeah, put it down your list. Yeah, but this, yeah, you need to see this film. I yeah. think once after how much I've seen used cards and so on and so forth. Um, and like I said, it's um, it's that transition phase for, for Zemeckis jumping from a mainstream director to an artist. Yeah. And it's almost like this is where he's dipping his feet in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? This is where he's like, oh, I'm just going to stuff around. Let's I just want to see what I can things. do. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what I can do. I'm not going to take it too seriously, but I just let me just play around with a couple of things and just see yeah. how I feel with it. Yeah. Before we go on anymore, because we're going to go straight back into this. Yeah. Um, for those at home who don't know what it's about, and they're like me who had only just seen the poster of, um, you know, Goldie Horn with a candelabra through her stomach and yep. uh, Meryl Streep with a head on backwards. Yeah. Um, let's just hear about it. This Tales from the Crypt-like story shows the literal fight for immortal beauty and its unexpected consequences. Played with a shovel smacking a plume by Meryl Streep, Goldie Horn, and that guy from Moonlighting, this film will feel like either a kiss or a slap in the face. Either way, you'll be enthralled by its antics, murder, melodrama, and of course, Zemeckis innovation. Now take a sip of this strange elixir of a film and enjoy the ride. So, um, you were mentioning before that this felt like Zemeckis was sort of just having a little play around. And yeah. Testing some things out, seeing, seeing what he could do, what he couldn't do. Um, it's like now he's got a he's got a play pit, yeah. You know what I mean. He's got all the resources to have a play pit now because he's a, an established 
director. Yeah. People just throwing money at him. Where before he had to make sure every every little nook and cranny was done because he's still building his career. Yeah. Now he's just like, look, oh, I just really just want to, I want to play around for one movie. If yep. you let me play around for one movie, then we can, um, I'll do something else. Okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if you think in that logic, it's like, I'll have a play around and I'll give you something special next. And yeah, then you drop exactly. Forrest Gump on. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you Forrest Gump. I'll give you the. I'll give you the. Um, I'll give you the Oscar bait later. Yeah. Just let me just stuff around. I've just got this idea in my head, and it's stuck in my head. I just need to see it on screen to see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. You totally. Know? And that's what it. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Do you know what's going to be really interesting? And um, I can't wait for next week's episode so we can look at this because of all the films Zemeckis has done so far. Visually, I felt this was the one that felt most dated. Yes, it is. It is. And um, like even in the times where it's meant to be current times, it felt really, really outdated. Like just visually. Yeah. The way people dressed, the way their hair was, stuff like that. Yeah. Now, that could have been a conscious decision. But if you think in two years' time he's going to release Forrest Gump, visually the difference between Death Becomes Her and Forrest Gump Forrest Gump legitimately is a cutting edge, timeless film. Yeah, exactly. Like in yeah. visual looks. Yeah. And so it's like this if I showed this movie to a random, they'd be like, oh gosh, what is this old movie? I think maybe due to part, part of that is also is due to not only the time period the movie was made, but the characters on which it deals with. Yeah. So it deals with, um, let's say, um, those of a higher class. Yeah. So if you ever think of um, upper class, whenever um, characters are upper class, it's always going to be dated. Yeah. It always dates a lot easier, you know, because they're at the for- forefront of fashion at the yeah. time. Yeah. They're not this classic fashion. Yeah. Um, they're at the forefront of fashion. And obviously the second you see the forefront of this fashion, you just go, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. It's almost like... And I only just thought of it then when we were just discussing, listening yeah. to you talk about it. It's almost like the Stepford Wives in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. An inspiration from Stepford Wives. Yeah. And taken further to be like, they're not they're not robots. And I actually wrote a note, which is going to be another sort of nice little circle around. But like it really is. It's a film that focuses on vanity and shallowness of Hollywood. It's exactly, it? exactly. It it is a sort of like a poke at Hollywood. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's, and in another way, to me, it's um, you know, making a reference that John made last week. It's it's almost like Dallas with supernatural. Yes. Uh, because it's it it feels like a novella. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, not a novella. You know, it feels like those um, like a short story that's yeah, been... yeah. But it feels like those t- those. Um, Anthology Spanish, segments? No, 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 Spanish TV soap ah, operas. Ah, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like where it's melodramatic, it's yes. over the board, you know. Yep. Let's kill him, let's kill her, let's do this, let's kill this, kill yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And and it's almost, and everyone in it, you can tell everyone is having fun in the film. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it feels like they're just basically, they're pushing it over the top. Because obviously they know it's a comedy. Yeah. And it's one of those early 90s where... Every everyone called it outrageous, which was yeah. the key word. Outrageous <laughs> comedy, you know outrageous what I mean? yeah, comedy, righteous comedy. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what I feel. That's yeah. It's um, I was really surprised. What did you think about it before going in? Like, what what, what were your I thoughts? Had better memories. 
Really? So you've seen it before? Yeah, 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 man. I had better memories because I remember once I watched it late night. Yeah, okay. Late night. So I must have slept through most of the film. <laughs> uh, and I had better memories, man. Um, and yes, yeah, so obviously coming into it, I was disappointed. Yeah, wow. But also, I'm, I don't know. I guess if this was the first movie I watched of Zemeckis... Wouldn't it make sense? It would be a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and I'd probably... But coming off such the high of Zemeckis films, which yep. we're doing, yep. um, it's almost like if I was a teacher, I'd say, look, Bobby, this is a good paper, but I just know you can do better. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, look, let's bring out your last two papers. These were really good. They took a lot of work. Yeah. This paper is still better than the rest of the class. I yeah. just know you can do better. <laughs> I just know you can do better. Yeah. Okay? This feels rushed, mate. It's, al- <laughs> it's almost there. Yeah, it's almost there. It's almost <laughs> there. Look, why don't you take it back and just have a look at a couple of things? You know, look at look at the marks I made on it. Yeah, and come back to me. And I wonder if this is one of those. It may have been a lesson to learn. Yeah, which is that when people, you know, you've got freedom now. Yeah, back to exactly. the future would give you freedom. Yeah, so that freedom's there. It's not necessarily a good thing sometimes. No, exactly, because your back's not against the wall. Yeah, and so you're not. You're not pushed to strive for a bit more excellence than you would yeah. have before. And and I think, for me, um, I'd never seen the film. I, as I mentioned last week, the only thing that I knew was that poster that has Streep, Willis, and Goldie Horn. Yeah. Um, Meryl Streep's head's on backwards. Uh, Goldie Horn's got the candelabra through her belly, a hole in her belly. But even thinking about the poster now, my memory now of the poster is far better visually than what the film itself looked like. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's, it's like... It's, it's an odd film. Man. Yeah, it is, and isn't what, it? You know what's make it, that's another thing that's odd about it? Is I don't think it's... I don't think it's Zemeckis failing. No. I don't... I think directing, it was yep. great. Um, screenplay was good. Yeah. Um, I think the acting was good. I just never enjoyed it. Yeah, is it? It's just weird, you know what no, I mean? Like, it's not. You said it earlier. It's a niche film. It is. Um, it's so, a cult film. Yeah, exactly. And I could, in that aspect, I could really go, yeah, that's right. And as a Tales of the Crypt film, if it was like a forty-five minute Tales yeah, of the Crypt film in an anthology series, yeah, I'd be like, wow, that was pretty damn funny. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I can't believe they got like Whoopi Goldberg and Goldie Hawn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. To- you know what I mean? Just, totally. Um. For me, I was really surprised by um, how mean spirit it was. Yes, yes, that's that. I guess that's that's one of the things. That's one of the um, things. And we've talked about how Zemeckis can go dark. Yeah. So that's not that's not an oh, issue. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like he's in this movie. He's pushing the boundaries of how dark he can go before it's not fun anymore. Yeah. And I actually felt like. You know when friends invite you around to watch a movie that's really funny in yeah. their eyes? Yes. And you sit down and watch it and you're like, I don't <laughs> get it. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's that's like what I was like. The, the I entire film felt like I was sitting in a circle of people who had in-jokes and I wasn't part of those jokes. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Like, I could, I like, and where you can just go, yeah, I look, I can, I can see, you know, it's like when, also when that friend goes, oh, don't you think she's hot? And you look, you go, oh, look, like, stereotypically, yeah. I like, guess. you know, it has, I guess, that body and everything like that, you know. I, just, I 
just don't get a vibe, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Any other time, yeah, maybe. I just, I just, it feels, feels like it's got, I guess it, it doesn't feel like it has the Zemeckis soul in it. No. Can I ask? Now tell me. I wrote this down. If Tim Burton made this movie. I think Tim, Tim Burton would have done it a l- it would have been a lot better if Tim Burton done it. Because um, it felt to me, like, even visually... Because Tim Burton's more comfortable in it. Yeah. And you can see that comfort. It's almost like you, it's like you said before. It's it's like Zemeckis is going to a place he's not usually going to. Yeah. Like, he does usually... He, he plays on it a bit. Yeah. But he's given that side of himself a little bit more leeway than... Yes. But it, it, here's what's funny about it, though, is... Is I think he's like he's exercising... All the dirtiness out of him. Yeah. So he has nothing but love for Forrest, for Forrest Gump. Gump. You know what I mean? Like It is oh, like honestly, they, you, they if, are anti-films to yeah, each other, aren't next they? Year we're, next, next year, next week when we come um, come back, Yeah. Um, if we do a comparison of both of these films, yeah. I think we're going to be blown away. They're almost like sister films in a way. Oh, in the wow. Fa- no, no, like in the fact of the opposites. Yes. There's vice versa yes. of... Um, these these two films, and it's you'll almost you'd almost go they're not the same director. Yeah, no, well, not. you they're wouldn't not. think it. Would they're not you? the same director. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. I'm <laughs> you. There are little moments of Zemeckis that pops up, oh, like yeah. like what we'd tra- sort of say vintage Zemeckis. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one that really jumps out in my mind is when like Bruce Willis is trying to escape the castle at the end there. Yeah, and he climbs up on the rooftop, and there's like that. He looks to the exit sign, to the gutter, to the, yeah, the thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this moment where you're like, oh, there he is. Yeah, and the edge of your, <laughs> the edge of your seat is about yeah. you're not, like, is he going to make yeah, it? Because you yeah. you've been there so used is. to that with the yep. Back to the Future series. Are they going to make it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was just like there were there were those little moments that you're just like, oh, I see you there, Bobby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, know you're here, I know you're still in there, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. If, so, we, if we were to look at it... Um, if we were to look at it through what uh, one of my references, my favorite references, you know, his early days were the cocaine phases of Hollywood. <laughs> this is the rehab phase. This is where he's, <laughs> this is where he's getting off the junk. You know, this is that, this is that part like in Trainspotting when the baby's crawling across the wall oh, and shit. This is that part of Zemeckis's career. And then he he comes back with he's clean he comes he comes clean with he's clean he, he, <laughs> can this, I, is, can this I, is him getting clean. Speaking of cocaine, <laughs> I, um, love, I love how casually we bring it up. Now. Speaking of cocaine, yes. Did you think Meryl Streep was licking her teeth a lot in this movie? She was. <laughs> she was, man. And look, I, I'll be honest. Um, good old good old Meryl, man. She basically she she looked pretty in this film. Yeah, I just didn't know. I couldn't work out if it was because because she is playing on that. Hollywood elite, yeah, or social elite is probably a better way to put it. If the licking of the teeth was a character decision, to to sort of you know how some With actors her, are you just could, like you could you'd have to say yeah. yes because she's so amazing. Or if it was a lifestyle decision at the time <laughs> at the that was time, playing, yeah, uh, this was all everyone just on set again. It's like a Popeye set. <laughs> it's just hardcore, just cocaine balls oh, everywhere. Gosh, I, I saw it. <laughs> they were special effects. The hole in the stomach and oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> These were special effects. I just wired. Meryl Streep really thought that there was a hole in Goldie yeah, Hawn. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, nice segue, Craig. Speaking <laughs> of special effects. It's like our favourite word, segue. <laughs> that should be our hashtag. Hashtag segue. Uh, <laughs> sneaky seg. <laughs> sneaky seg. Um, like, it really is. When we when we think about Zemeckis, um, this is one of those films where, again, 
he is pushing himself. So you can't accuse him of lazy filmmaking. No, no, definitely. No, no, that's what I'm saying. This is good filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy the film. Yeah, 100%. Like, I just because good filmmaking. There's some really big technological advances in this film. Yep. So the the scene where Meryl Streep and first, how brutal is that fall down the stairs? Oh, that is gruesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I actually winced. Yeah, oh, I, know, oh, I know. And the sound effects with it are, are, are amazing. Just like, it's um, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus. But it just keeps like, going. Oh, yeah, no. You know oh, what? It's just like, like, oh, Jesus, one like of those jokes. It's like that Eddie Murphy joke where yeah. you hear the old fat lady walking. <laughs> there, oh Jesus! Oh, I'm still falling. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> But when she hits the ground, she is so contorted and gross because she's all broken. It's horrible. And she walks in and her head's on backwards. (sighs) Um, That was actually the first time that anyone in a film had used digital skin. Uh, Yeah, so ILM were the first company to do that in a film. Makes sense, ILM. And it actually is insanely important to filmmaking, that process. Because without that, that process that they did for Death Becomes Her... They don't have the technology required for the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. See? So this is like testing. Again, Zemeckis had this in another film that he did stuff that later went on to Jurassic Park and things like that. Yeah. Um, see, Bobby Z's impact on Hollywood. Yeah, mate. he's like, you know. See, him and Tarantino, you could almost say, look, Tarantino, you got to go. Well, what technologically is Tarantino doing? Aside from selling additional soundtracks. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? No one has ever been able to... Um, successfully mimic Tarantino. No, no, not at all, not at all. I feel so like he sits in a bubble. We, we've got his filmography would be a great one to look at, just so oh, we yeah, can yeah, talk exactly. through how yeah. amazing he is. But, but he's but talked through everything. Yeah, so there's not that see, guy just talks about everything, and all everyone the time. talks about him. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's why we don't need to go there. No, we don't. It'd need be to go fun. There. It'd be, we oh, don't need it'd to be go fun. There. Yeah, exactly. It's just keep it to the pub. So Craig, they actually. Um, in 92, Death Becomes Her won an Oscar. Wow, what for? Special effects? For special effects. Okay, that's... It that actually beat both Alien 3 and Batman Returns for best visual effects. Yeah, I would agree with that. So um, At the time, I don't think I would have, but I, now with the more They're pretty amazing, guy, aren't they? It's, a pretty, the, the it's special pretty effects. damn good. Yeah. Like one of the scenes I love in that film, once again, Zemeckis, attention to detail, is when um, Goldie Horn has a hole in a... Yeah, stomach, yeah. And she sits. I think I sent you the. the yeah, the you gift, sent me the gift. The gift on it. Um, and the and she and she sits back in the seat, and there's the and the spear just goes through where yep. which was sitting there earlier. I which, love that type of stuff. You know, it's it really is cool. fun, isn't it? It is. It's heaps fun. It's, it's, it's really fun. fun. Even when she hops out of the um pool of water. Yeah. And it just like is um like someone's taking a bucket out of the water and it's all yeah, spilling exactly, over exactly and it's and it's cool to have that visual of the two of them stand sitting there yeah. through her hole in her stomach yeah and, and it was actually there's some really clever filmmaking there's a scene where Meryl Streep leans over and you can see her look through the hole yeah and even though they just don't line up enough so you can tell it's two shots put in there it's still so fun and that's what I'm saying it's still Zemeckis showing great skill yeah yeah, just I'm thinking. I can't for the life of me think of the movie. What's the one where he gets shot in the hand, and he sort of looks through the hole in his hand? Oh, at that's oh my god! Isn't that a Tarantino film? Is it a Tarantino one? Where he's like shot and he's like, no, the crow. The is crow. it the crow? Yeah, the crow. Is that because yeah. he's laughing or is it? 
The, oh, he puts his hand the on the, the gun. I think yeah. it might be the crow. Yeah. Oh, for Hit a second, I was thinking Quick in the Dead. Oh, Quick in the Dead. Where, yeah. Is that through, he, that's through his stomach, though? Yeah, there's one in Quick in the Dead. Yeah, through his stomach. Uh, the, yeah, the crow one, yeah, he's laughing as it gets, as it gets, cl- as it closes up. Yeah. Alex Pros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, there's another one. There is another one, hey. Yeah, there's another I one. I feel like there's one where he's, uh, maybe it's Deadpool. Uh, Plausible, plausible. <laughs> it yeah, sounds it's like obviously someone who's not in a lot of pain. People, hit us up. Hit us up. Um, so, yeah, the visual effects are really, they're really quite um, important. And you can tell again that um, Zemeckis, he is, he's, he's stretching himself. He's trying things and um, really some of it works. Yeah, Like exactly the golden horn falling on the thing. And can I actually say, the film for me got interesting in that moment when Goldie Horn got shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. It just took too long to get there. Oh, exactly. And and it gets... And I guess is one of the main things against the film. Yeah. Is that the characters are just not nice characters. No, they're not no nice at all, nice are people. they? Look, and the slightest bit to a nicest person is a person that, I, like we said before, I think is horribly miscast. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Miscast. Yeah, because yeah. look, I think because I don't think Bruce Willis is probably is a nice person in real life as well. Yeah, um, but I just think he, he just never played it well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that's the, if we did a modern day recast. Yeah, hit me, Steve Crow. Oh, can I tell you some little hot tips on the character oh. of Ernest? Boom! Okay, I'll give you a little, one little bit that I thought was an interesting thing, and it's one of those things where maybe cocaine played a part in it. <laughs> but, so we had... Such a great Characters such a great were, their names were Madeline, was it Madeline? Yeah, Madeline Ashton. Madeline. Um, I've forgotten her name. Ernest is the... Yeah. And Helen... Helen, yes, yes, yes. So, they call her Mad. Yeah. They call him Earn, and Hell is her nickname. And if you put them all together, it says Madder and Hell. Madder than Hell oh. is like the choice of those names. Oh. So, so that's a little one of those things that you're like, wow, that's a detail that probably that's, didn't need to be. Yeah, exactly. Done. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's a that's something to be left to the um, back of the jacket. But. Bruce Willis was actually not cast as the character of Ernest. Oh, that's good. That's okay. good to know because that, that gives me more faith. And um, I tried to do some research to see how close to filming Bruce Willis came on board, but it was a late call-up because Looks Kevin like Klein was who was going to be Ernest. Perfect. Yeah, and he pulled, he pulled out. Now, again, Kevin! I know, I, I couldn't find out why, but... <laughs> Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> Wild Wild West. Where was a fish called Wanda? Fish Called Wanda was, was 90. Before. Yeah, yeah, before this. Yeah. So, so he was still riding high. Kevin yeah, yeah. was still riding yeah, yeah. high. Yeah, Kevin Klein would have got bums on seats. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm just trying to think of what he was doing around what his time. What was that one? Was it In and Out where he was like the guy who got left at the altar? Maybe that was around that time. Plausible. Because he was a leading man in that. Yeah, exactly. But man, this is, no, nah, I think he would have been amazing at it. Yeah. Because so, that's the thing. I just didn't, I, I just. He's not sympathetic, no. uh, Bruce Willis. But do you know what's crazy is um, I did a bit of research and after test screenings in this film, yeah. they completely changed the ending of the film. To what? Okay. So what oh, we see is... in this film is a completely different ending to what they'd originally okay, so shown. Let's, let's define ending. So we're we talking the epilogue. 
you know, after like, okay, so for those who haven't seen the film, obviously, spoiler, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, the epilogue being basically they're at um, Ernest's funeral. Yeah. Um, he's lived an amazing life. Yeah. He says life starts at 50. They yep. walk, the girls are still alive, but they're old and broken down. They're covered with paint. They fall down the steps. And then the last words is these two rolling heads. Um, she says, I hope you know where we parked the car. Yeah. And they're still alive, even though they're broken up into little bits and it makes you go, well, who's going to put them back together? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the epilogue, because the epilogue could still work, but the original version of the film they tested and had such negative responses, yeah, such high negative responses, That's that they completely changed it. And no so, alcohol in s- s- test screenings as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the character of Ernest had a whole subplot where he falls in love with a bartender named Tony, a female bartender named Tony. And it was actually Tracy Ullman was the bartender. Ah. Okay. And it was actually so um, late they changed it. This was filmed. She was in the trailer. This was filmed. I know, exactly. That's what I'm just saying now because I I watched the trailer before I came over here just as a quick reminder to myself. Yep. And... Yes, she was so in the tra- and actually, so were heaps of dead more, more dead bodies. Yep, and so the the trailer features Tracy Ullman and a few scenes that were completely removed from the film, like the one with uh, Meryl Streep in the fridge. Yep, and they're saying you're defrosting. Yeah, so there was a scene where Ernest hid her in the in a fridge. Wow, oh. um, that got deleted from the film as well. Okay, um, but the whole subplot with Ernest and Tony was actually that um, they start falling in love. Yep. And realise, she realises Ernest is a lovely guy. She's a lovely girl. And um, they make a plan to fake Ernest's death so they can run away together. Okay. And so... That would have added more sympathy to it. That's exactly right. So the negativity they received was that people actually wanted a darker ending. Oh, really? Yeah. So, So they were hoping for something darker out of the film and didn't get it. So then they had to completely rework it. So... When she fell in love with... He could possibly still have been the married he, man where life started at 50. Okay, yeah. So so when he fell in love with her, it was after... Um, obviously, it was after the main event at the house. It'd have to be, but then it begs to, to the question of... Like he was well, still working for him, doing it up for her, and then he fell in love and then they... Don't, I don't know, know I mean? hey. So, and suppose there were other bits of Streep's character and that young guy that she was hooking up with. Oh, yeah. Horrible moment. Yeah. That was actually, that was actually a horrible moment. Yeah. Like a well-acted moment. Yeah, it where was. Where you could actually see Meryl Streep. Where you see a lot of, um, I guess, her motivation. Yeah. Um, and and that, that moment and obviously where they both make up. Yeah. Is a good moment as obviously you know Meryl Streep once again. Yeah, she shows a lot of motivation behind her character there, and you actually feel a bit for her character. Yeah, um, but so I'm not really sure to what extent the picture was shuffled around. Yeah, man, but I, sounds like the, a whole different film. The common phrasing that's in it, and actually Tracy Ullman has on her website. I didn't have enough time to read it all. She's actually got. 10 pages of script where she has interactions with Ernest, her character would have, and the ending of the film on there. Uh, I just didn't have enough time to print 20 pages and sit down and read it all. But whenever they describe what happened to the end of the film, it's considered a major re-edit of the film. Yeah. Even to an extent that when they're doing those seven-year jumps, seven-year, seven-year, at one point they show dates and it only adds to 12. 
Wow. So so we're talking the film probably had a lot of post cutting, clipping, changing around and things like that. So it does feel like it does feel like almost um in putting it in that fashion, it sounds like they they there was almost a total different film yeah. from what was filmed to what yeah. was edited. And I actually think it's funny thinking about it. I think if that ending had been in the film or that subplot of the film yeah. had been in there, I may enjoy it more. Yeah, same. I, I think that would have shown more of the Zemeckis that we knew. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that was another reason why we obviously why I don't enjoy it. It's just, it's just not a Zemeckis I've seen before. Yeah. But I guess when we come up to something like What Lies Beneath, yeah, um, then I think I'll, I'll get a clearer picture yep. on whether this was... Zemeckis? Yeah. Or whether this seemed like um, Frankenstein Zemeckis. You yeah. know, where someone else has chopped it up and put it together. You know what I mean? Like he's just worked as what the someone else has told or, you know, a lot of outside influences. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Studio but, notes. Yeah, studio notes and all that stuff. Yeah. But I'd never see a studio going, sticking with the dark. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, you know isn't I mean? I've it? Never, yeah, I've never heard a studio say, "No, nah, get it darker." Yeah, let's make it darker. Let's make guys. it darker. Yeah, let's make people. You know, yeah, let's alienate people because I feel alien. <laughs> like you were saying yeah, before, yeah, you're like you like everyone else is on the end joke, and I'm not. Yeah, mm. totally, totally. Um, interestingly enough, this has popped up previously on another film, but Meryl Streep was quite frustrated working with Zemeckis on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, reportedly, she was uh, very frustrated with the amount of time that was spent setting up for visual effects things. Oh, okay. So, But it's a very to, new thing at this yeah, time. Yeah, that's exactly right. So to her, she described the movie as a trip to the dentist. Oh, really? That bad? <laughs> that bad? Yeah. So, so um, and it's funny. I didn't know that, but I felt a lot of the time in the film that she wasn't having a good time. I thought, like, at the start of the film when they start with the musical number, I thought that was fun. Oh, that was fun. Um, Great one or two. Yeah, yeah, it is. It like was really, really good. If we're going to those opening shots that Zemeckis loves, oh. it's this beautiful one shot that does a musical number and then pans all the way back to the only person in the theatre <laughs> enjoying it being Bruce Willis's character. I watched a beautiful one shot the other day in a trailer. Tell me. For Aquaman. Oh, I haven't watched the new trailer yet. Does it look good? Oh man, it's, it can tell it's not it's not a true yeah. one shot. But yeah, James does well, man. James Wan, he is Seriously, a very does good well. director. You know how he usually do those? He does those shots which follow up and yeah. down, and he does a beautiful one across a rooftop. Yeah, superb. Can I just go again from um, James Wan mm-hmm. across to? I watched Upgrade by Lee Whannell. The is other that night. any good? Man, it is so fun. I hear it's wildly oh, fun. Everyone so says it's wildly fun. fun. Hey, you got to see it. It's like, um, it's like the RoboCop movie that we should be getting these days. They were, um, they were saying it's basically because it's a very um, the acting's really good in it because yeah. obviously it's his body uh, working without yeah, his yeah, yeah. consent, and they're saying it's um, it's it's better than what Tom Hardy has done in Venom. Oh, I'm I'm really interested to see Venom because so am I. Um, and we might have to set up a time after yeah, this, Craig. But for those who don't know about Upgrade, check it out. It's a bit violent, so if you're violent, things aren't your thing. But the, essentially, imagine Knight Rider, <laughs> a 
and Robocop <laughs> all thrown together. Trailer looks awesome. Yeah, it's so good. good. A man that's killed, he or not killed, but he's uh, shot, and they program his body to not be a, a quadriplegic um, through yeah. technology, and then the body actually starts taking over and controlling his movements and awesome. stuff. It's Sounds so like fun. a great idea. So um so back to violence. Speaking back, of violence. Back to speaking of violence. Um can we take a moment and just appreciate Bruce Willis's double take? Do you remember the Bruce Willis double take? No, which one was that? He walks past a gun cabinet that is open <laughs> <laughs> and he does that big oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> It no. was so and, huge. And here's the funny thing with it, it is you don't know with Bruce Willis's acting ability, whether that's him trying to act. Or him fully understanding the wackiness of the film. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Like if that was say, oh, if that was gosh. you know Goldie Horn and Meryl Streep, you'd be like, okay, they deliberately push for that yeah. know, wackiness, yeah, because um, they understand the idea of the film. But you can almost see Bruce Willis go, yeah, this is gonna give me an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was seriously. I don't know. Um, oh, oh, look, there were some bits that are just wrong. Um, there were times where just Goldie Horn didn't hit the right notes with yeah. me. Um, what did you think of Goldie Horn in the fat suit at the start as the crazy cat lady? Crazy, crazy cat lady, you know, yeah, there's not, you know, there wasn't huge amounts of it. So, you know, yeah, she's just sitting there watching telly. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's all right. It's, oh, I don't know, but it just none of it made me want to just care. It's, none of it made me want to care. Like, except for that one scene where they're talking about their true motivations you yep. know she stole a boyfriend she always treated Meryl Streep like crap yeah whenever time she caused she was trash and stuff like that yeah yeah and you could see the, the motivations behind the characters but really oh like oh <laughs> like, like oh like that's what I was saying that's and, and it's so funny that we said this because last week we said it would possibly be this podcast would be us going huh Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's it true. I can't. I, I um, <sighs> I. Do you know what I've been thinking about? Because we do our ranking later in the episode, <laughs> and I've been thinking about it a little bit. And do you know what? When we watched, when I watched used cars, I had a similar feeling. Yeah, which is like, what the heck am I watching? Am I meant to be laughing at this? Yeah, exactly. Or, or what? And. I think about used cars and that was such a fun film to discuss because there were these moments that were crazy funny. Outrageous. Yeah, it was outrageous. <laughs> you know, like right. we've talked about the gloved hand given the boob squeeze <laughs> and things like that. Like I don't need raunchiness in Death Becomes Her. No. But it, it almost felt like it needed raunchiness yeah. To lighten some of the moments. Exactly. There was no there was no moments that really lightened it for me. And I think that's obviously a part of the film itself. Mm. Um, like that was the vision because yeah. you because it's a, it's a consistently dark film. Yeah. It's almost like it's candlelit film. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. That's every, what reminded me of Burton. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like even in the party scene, yep. it's got a very dull, dark focus yeah. to it all. You know, they're obviously always in that pool area. Yep. She must live in the friggin' pool. Yeah. Um, Can I say Isabella Rossellini's um, costume of just the necklace yeah, covering I know, her exactly. boobs? 
I saw a girl do that for cosplay. It popped up on my Facebook feed the oh, other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I have a friend who does a lot of cosplay and he happened to be at a place she was at. Oh, really? And, and she was just wearing that. And it was like, because I hadn't seen the film, I was like, this is the most random costume I've ever seen someone wear to a, a comic convention. That would be a... That's a mad nerd out. I wouldn't know it either if I saw it. 100%. As soon as I saw Isabella Rossellini, I was like, goodness... Yeah. That is an obscure reference to that go, is a mad I want to dress up like that for like Sydney saying, Comic Con. I want to dress up like as one of her guys in the denim behind her. <laughs> <laughs> With that mad With those little headsets. hairdo and the headsets. Oh, oh man. God, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's basically... Yeah, they see, and none of those scenes are fun either. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's even not fun. That's the whole movie. It's not fun. The, those guys who are like the... Um, the Fabio-like yeah, Fabio guys me. But beside her all the time. Yeah, yeah. That needed to have fun around it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Even if she was like a... um, If she was more of a Disney villain... Yeah. But an adult-style Disney villain, she would have done something like grab their bum and being like, oh, you're so sexy, darling. Yeah, or something yeah, like exactly, that. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly, yeah. No, exactly. And it needed something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or something funny like that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of like... Um, bloody Bruce Willis going, it's a miracle! Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then lightning behind Another him miracle. Stuff. Actually, one of the light moments was where he first takes it to the doctor. What's that doctor? Oh, Sidney Pollock. Yeah. Funny. That was funny, yeah, that Sid- little moment. Yeah. And then when he goes out, you see him, he's dying on the table next to him. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. That was yep. a funny moment. But And probably the... The most well lit moment in the movie. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. It's it's such an interesting film, isn't it? Um, even like then when you get to the party, yeah, that's going on and everyone's there. And you're trying to get those cameos on. Well, those little moments, like the Elvis, was a funny little thing. Yeah, the Elvis was a funny little thing. But like when you see Jim people, Morrison, Jim Morrison, Andy Warhol, those guys that are all just around. Because there's been no real lightheartedness in the film before it. Yeah. They feel odd. They do. They feel they feel odd. And James Dean at yeah. the at the end there. Um and you just go, Oh yeah, I just it feels out of place. Yeah. It feels out of place. I know I should be like, Oh look it's Jim Morrison, it's, it's James not, Dean and Don't you wish that instead of it being So the, why why do they look so good? The the who? James, Jim, you know, Jim Morrison. They're, they're like Andy celebrities Warhol. that are all yeah. through the thing. Because they're saying that they're all people who, remember they had the fake their death? Yeah. For all those people die. faking their death? Yeah, so, so they'd had the... So die, no, if you've taken the Alexa. Ooh, yes. If you die, if you've taken the Alexa, that's when your body starts to go crazy and they need all the makeup and stuff like that. Because everyone else there didn't seem to be falling yeah, apart. Yeah, I didn't understand as much that. As, hey. Yeah, exactly. That's why I didn't understand that part of it. Why it's affecting those two like that. I know it's a stupid thing to, to take away from it, but you know, like... But he's such a common sense director. Like, his stories yeah. always have a purpose, which there probably is something. Yeah, because you know? I guess, I assume if you look at it, it's, it's about immortal life and he says, take care of your body. Yeah. So I guess if your body dies, yeah. you're... You still live. Yeah. Which they do. Her body dies falling down and her body dies when she's shot. True that. I didn't so their even bodies, think about their that. Their bodies literally die. Yeah. But they're still alive. Yeah. So that's their bodies. Because when she did, when Goldie Horn got shot, she came out with dead eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and 
Meryl Streep started yeah, decaying because she went into the the freezer at the morgue. Exactly, and that's where I think they're starting to their bodies die. Yeah, but they still live, and that's why they need such amount of makeup and yeah. everything like that done. Yeah, because obviously Ian, Isabella Rossellini doesn't have it because she comes no. out of a freaking pool. Yeah, you know what I mean. So obviously she's not covered unless no. she's covered in awesome paint, no. but she hasn't died. The Is that um, right, you think? the mm. scene where she comes out of the pool and she's nude. Yeah. Um, I expected to see Booby then. Well, it's funny, isn't it? You don't I see. think everyone expected it. Yeah. It's not Isabella Rossellini who comes out of the pool nude. Oh, really? She's got a body double. Oh. But what's crazy is, it's I can't remember her name, but she was the main girl out of that show Jag with the black hair oh, and the wow, bob. Oh, wow, really? So that was like... She was beautiful. That was one of her first roles, was to be the nude body double for Isabella Rossellini. Wow, she's a good body double. So, oh, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, I remember, uh, I remember there was... FHM magazine would have had her in it. Oh, wow. For him magazine, for those who don't know. <laughs> and it wasn't, no, it's not a porn magazine. It was like that, that early age of magazines aimed at men. Yeah, men's magazines that basically had, had all models, the bits covered yeah. that needed to be covered. But yeah, exactly. But it was very raunchy. Yeah, very raunchy, risque. Hey, um, speaking of raunchy and risque, this isn't a segue at all. I just had my <laughs> thing for it. But... Um, <laughs> Can I, can we discuss the uh, the slowest shovel fight scene in the world, um, <laughs> which is when <laughs> Meryl Streep's fighting. They after um, Meryl Streep shoots Goldie Hawn's character. Yeah. Goldie Hawn gets out of the the water. They proceed to have this fight with shovels. Yeah. Like a sword fight. Yep. And it's the slowest <laughs> swinging of shovels oh. back and forward. Like there's nothing. Exciting about it at all? Yeah, it's I know. just it's just silly, and it's it's wildly over the top. It's cartoonish. Yeah, and that's where I, I don't I don't know whether I that's what, and it makes me think: Am I just not getting this movie? Yeah, same. You know what I mean? Like same. maybe that's the point of it. Yeah. You know, someone's gonna go, oh, idiot! It's a satire. Oh, it's a melodrama. You're not meant to. You meant. And I'm like, really? Am I just looking at this wrong? Yeah, I, th- I feel like, like I'm missing the point yeah, as well. Exactly. That's what the film feels like to me. I feel like I'm missing the yeah, point. Yeah, I agree. Now, do you know what's crazy that happened in that shovel fight? Is supposedly Meryl Streep got a little too excited swinging the shovel. Oh, and really? hit Goldie Horn in the face. <gasps> and she's actually got a scar as a result of it on her face. Oh, poor Goldie. So I wonder if and the Kurt slow... Russell just came and kicked up. <laughs> he beat, snake he beat up... Meryl. <laughs> he beat up Bruce Willis just for the <laughs> He played um, Bangkok shoot him up. What is it? <laughs> oh, whoa. One, ten. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, yeah, so I wonder if the shovel fight was purposely slowed down because they're like, now, Meryl, Meryl you people. spoiled it last time. <laughs> I'm going to give you a shovel, Meryl. Be <laughs> <laughs> a good girl, okay? Um, one thing we have talked about in a few of Zemeckis' films, there seems to be just like this one stunt that's crazy. Man, are you talking about the... Are we the reversing the car? car? Yes, yes. You know what? You know what? It what? doesn't end. What? I'm not gonna. I'll, we'll talk about it next week. Okay. Cool. Cool. We'll talk about it next week. Because awesome. I'm picking that up too. Everything. There's most like of these films. one in every film. Yeah. Just one stunt that is just like over the top, 
and just insane. Now, for those who haven't seen the film yet, check it out. There's a scene where Goldie Horn is dressed all in black to just sort of spy on what's going on in uh, Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis's house. And she's running across the yard and sees that Bruce Willis is leaving the house yeah. in his car. So her instinct is to, to play possum and just drop dead on the ground Yeah, instead of running away off the driveway. Oh, so so she drops dead. Bruce Willis, at speed, reverses this car flat out around a roundabout style turning yep. bay in the driveway to like then almost run over Goldie Horn. Yep. To the point where her body, and I think it's her. Yeah. Because it's like her, I th- her face is covered with hair, so you don't know for sure. But she literally just flicks her hair away and gets up. Yeah, exactly. Either it's great editing or it is her, but she's so he, far under that car that the back boot is over, over the top her of her. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's editing. I don't it's think it's seriously. Insane. Seriously, and um, and you get it wrong. You run over Goldie Horn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's a there's a bit in Forrest Gump. That's okay, the same. really, that's the same. I know. I never thought of it until uh, I watched it the other day, and I saw it. I went, ah. Wow. So yeah, so you'll be able to basically um and you'll see it. It's like Zemeckis has a love for the old school. Yeah. The old school Buster Keaton type. Um, the physical cut, stunts. Yeah, the physical stunts. And he does them beautifully. Does yeah. them beautifully. I can't I can't wait to get to it. It's uh, actually Forrest probably Gump. something a good thing to follow up on is the stunt coordinator for these films. Yeah, we'll look into that, Craig. Yes, That'd be I great will. to have I a will. little chat I to will. someone. Um well <laughs> I'm just going through my notes to see what else I've got. And there's not a lot <laughs> else. There's not here. There's not enough oh. here. Can I tell you who I think I would love to see? I, it got me thinking. Sometimes there are films that just aren't well enough known that if someone took the script and rewrote it, put a different title on it. Yeah. And let's talk titles in a minute because I think Death Becomes Her is an interesting yeah, exactly. title to talk it, about. It feels like it's a reference to a, a poem that I don't yeah, know Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but I was thinking, who could remake this movie? I'd love to see Zemeckis have a crack at it now. Yeah, oh, yeah that'd be fun to see. But I was thinking, going down that train of thought of Stepford Wives, Hollywood elite, not really... You know, yeah. like being a bit over the top. Hallelujah. Imagine if this was an Edgar Wright film. I could. Yeah, I could. And I, look, Edgar Wright's one of those directors who really has a lot of, um, he has a lot of range. Yeah, and he, he sure basically, does. Basically, he could do a lot of films. And I think the film, it's sat in the middle too much. Mm-hmm. So we're talking the middle of outlandish. So almost cartoony in the way things happened. Yeah. Dark. Yeah, too dark. And so it's too dark in things. Yeah, in my mind, it's just too dark. It doesn't. It doesn't let up enough mm-hmm. uh, for me to have a breath. But also, like I said, I just feel like I don't get it. Yeah, and I just think Edgar Wright would lean more towards that. Imagine this was more hot fuzz in the horror comedy. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. But we're talking a movie that plays it straight and then shocks you with the moments of Simon horror. Simon Pegg would be a good... Wouldn't he? He would. He'd be really good. And you'd go for someone like... You'd probably get... 
just as a little throwback, you'd get Kate Hudson as the uh, Goldie Horn character. Ooh. Or even the Meryl Streep. Um, or, or and you'd probably have an Anne Hathaway in there. Yeah, you could. You could. You could. Or you could even go crazy again and just go Kate Blanchett. Oh, gosh. And then who would be the who would be the other one? You could let's Kate Blanchett as Meryl Streep. Let's let's look, let's go back to the New Oceans. Yeah, Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. There you go. <laughs> no, nah, Sandra Bullock drives me nuts. I'm going to be honest. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. I don't but want her in my movie. If you didn't have Kate Blanchett, <laughs> you could do Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Nicole Kidman would be great, and she has done Stepford Wives. Once again, going through um, Big Little Lies, whatever it's called, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon would be great as and the Goldie she, Horn. Exactly. She'd be awesome as the yeah. Goldie Horn one. I think, um, yeah, so I'd just love to see. Uh, that's, that's what I think where it fails is that now from a modern perspective, if I'd seen this in the 90s, yeah, maybe this would be a movie that I love. Yeah, because maybe it's more, it's one of those films that you had to be there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah I mean? totally. Like, you know, where, where you have to, you had to have lived in that culture at the time. Hey, in ten years' time, yeah, exactly. people aren't going to get Anchorman. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Like, um, I watched Xanadu. Oh gosh, no, ages ago. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, but once how again, did you get there? I don't know how I get to these films. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just usually just bad luck, <laughs> and I'll get oh, to these gosh. crap films like Blood Fist Four. <laughs> you know, <laughs> die trying, and you just you don't know. You just end up there, and you end up watching a freaking film. But yeah, and you know what I mean. It, and you had to be there. Yeah, you had to be there to appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, totally. A film of its time was. Yeah, 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 and and unfortunately, this is one of the only films. Used car is probably another one in the grouping where I'd say it dates. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I don't, and I know there's a big cult following around it, but I want to know. I want to survey this cult following, and I want to see their age bracket. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same these people who say um, used cars is a cult film. I want to see their age bracket. Can I tell you something funny about used cars? Go. Did I tell you one of my mates was telling me oh, that you know when it rains at school? Yeah. No, it wasn't when it rains. They had to do for business studies. <laughs> they watched a movie. And the teacher put on used cars. No way. a business studies movie. No way. Yeah, Is he yeah. getting it just mixed up with something else? No, no, because I told him that we'd done an episode about used cars. He's like, that's not the one where they have the car sales yard and all the strippers are dancing on top of the cars. How? How? <laughs> how? How does this even relate to when it rains if it's business studies? <laughs> like, really? This is a teacher who just wanted to watch used cars. This is hard. <laughs> he's, a, he's one of the people who find it a cult classic, I guess. Really? How old is he? No, not my friend. Oh, the, the teacher. teacher. Yeah, exactly. It has to be. So yeah, business be. studies. He showed it in business studies, not on a rainy day. Sorry, that's my bad. I got I got my story mixed up. Oh, but okay. Because I was like, business, what's this no, got but to- this is even worse. It's not a lunchtime viewing. This is actual in class scheduling. Oh, yeah, exactly. So business studies. So is it just <laughs> how two people? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I lost it. I thought it was like, is this a way of just doing a startup? But then you I was can, like, no. No, no. No. <laughs> no. This not. Not no, at all. This guy just wants to bust it out. It's <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe bad. if it was like, um, you know, sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> 
gosh. I know. I remember. See, it's weird horrible movies you watch at school. I remember we watched Big Brother at school. I've not seen Big Brother. Oh, Tell me about it, Craig. With John Hurt. And pretty much in one of the scenes, um, he goes to a prostitute. Like, and, and remember, this is... Puts mustard on the head? No, no, this is Big Brother. This is great. This is Big Brother. This is Big Brother. So, and, and don't think about the reality show, Christ's sake. Um, it's Big Brother. It's basically, it's totalitarian society. Yeah, it's all greys yeah. and blues. Okay, so it's all that, but working colour. But, and he goes into this, and this old lady is naked and just shows this mad old lady bush right at the screen. <laughs> like this. Oh, like spread like sorry, I'm spreading my legs here, doing this mad going back to our um basic instinct thing here. Oh and, yeah, and it's just this old bush, man. Old grey bush. <laughs> Seriously. Like it like like something that needs a hell of a lot of water. <laughs> and it seriously it does, it does. It does. It looks like the top the top of Susan Boyle's head. It's just oh bush. And you just go, oh my god. And I remember everyone in a class when you're in a class of teenage kids, man, you you, you would expect a whole bunch of teenagers. <laughs> when you look at it, and you expect the whole class of teenage kids to be basically. That's horrible. That's horrible. And I can't, but that is. So <laughs> but it's a visual for you, isn't it? <laughs> and you expect oh, the whole man. class to be like, oh, great. You know, like, oh. oh my God, it's Bush. But these, all of us were just, all us kids were horrified. It should have been an anti sexual education class. I don't even know. What, oh, yeah, it's still for literature or something like that. But horrible oh. film. Goodness. It just reminded me it's just inappropriate films to show up school. <laughs> Your call is Susan Boyle's head is just <laughs> <laughs> forever. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh Thanks for listening <laughs> to the professor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally crying, Craig. It's so bad. Oh, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> For those who don't know who Susan Boyle is, <laughs> look her up. <laughs> Britain, what was it? Britain's Got Talent or yeah, something? Yeah, Britain's Got Talent. I think it was Britain's oh, Got Talent. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I'm certainly... Uh, oh, man, I'm lost for words, Craig. <laughs> I'm, I'm sweating from laughing there, so I'm hard. I'm glad I could get you there, Jeff. Oh, my goodness. So, Craig... <laughs> <laughs> You're just thinking of it. Oh, yeah. All right, let's just take a moment at home. We're all just going to... If you want to pause the episode right now and go get yourself a cup of tea, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, that that's okay. Oh, maybe, maybe go to a priest to get forgiveness. Either <laughs> either. Oh, ask, my word. Ask, while, ask for me while you're there. So, Craig, <laughs> what did you think of the film? <laughs> <laughs> I Seriously, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it that much, man. Oh, I, like I said before... I think it's a well-completed film. It's, um, you know, what I mean, I, I think there's, I don't think Zemeckis failed in his film. I just, I just feel like I think he just laughed. I just don't get it. I just, I, I just don't get the film. I don't get the film. <laughs> I'm literally broken. <laughs> I'm finally broken, it's Jeff. On our tenth anniversary, <laughs> episode ten, Jeff's broken. That's the subtitle of this one. Oh, Craig, you actually—I've heard a few things come out of your mouth in my time. <laughs> That's a. <laughs> 
<laughs> so unprofessional. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Craig. I hope people That's at home right. are laughing as hard I as I did. Because so. uh, literally, if you're driving, please be safe. Because <laughs> I'm in an absolute mess right now. But look... <laughs> I um considering I didn't have a lot to think about this movie going in. Uh, I wish I knew about the tales from the crypt thing. Yeah, I, I think, wish I knew that. I, I think, think in honesty, that builds the tone. That would, yeah. I would expect. I would have expected the tone of the film better. Yep, totally. But then I would have said that's um, oh, too long. <laughs> well, I would have said I wish it stayed as a tales from the crypt segment uh, because it does feel like an idea that wasn't fully formed. As you said, it's like a paper that someone's handed in and someone's mm. like. You got better in you, mate. Yeah, exactly. You could have done better than that. So I think um, I just wish that it had stayed as a Tales from the Crypt. And and maybe it was one of those things, listen, I'm developing this story about a um, a, a guy that goes through a journey yeah, of life. Exactly. Um, I'm working on that at the moment. I just don't have enough time to get it together. What can I do to keep my my partnership with Universal going? Yeah. I've got this idea. Let's expand on it. Um, but I sort of wish I'd known that going in because maybe I would have had more fun. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I'm saying. I think if it was in context with the um, Tales of the Crypt storyline, I would have been a lot more forgiving yeah. of the film. Tell me, with the, with the trailer... The trailer looks different. Does it? Does it sell the movie you see? No. Okay. So if you saw that... I like it. It looks wacky. Yeah, okay. It looks wacky and fun. So that tone's almost... Yeah, it is. It, it looks wacky. It, you know, it has the voiceover, you know, fading star. And then, it obviously, it shows a whole bunch of movies, a whole bunch of scenes that you'll never see. Yeah, okay. And, you know, and it has to do with bodies and more bodies. And then really? Stuff like that. And, there's, and just stuff like, yeah, it's random. It, it doesn't feel like the film. Because so, so often... And then you... it ends with her going, look at me, I'm soaking wet. And she's got the hole in the stomach. And, Interesting. And, and yeah, I know, but it, but in these tone you go, oh, look, it's going to be a wacky film. Yeah, yeah. A wacky dark comedy, but I it's, didn't. I wasn't yeah. Laugh. I wasn't laughing. It is one of those things I try and avoid, if I haven't seen it, I try and avoid it. Because in the hope that I don't have any preconceptions going into the film. Well, I watched the trailer after. I watched it today, just as a little reminder for yeah. me coming into the film. Because oh, sometimes man. they usually are a good, if it's a good trailer, it's a good indication. Yeah. You know, it's a Good giveaway of the tone of the film. No, yeah, this isn't interesting. There's something we'll talk about trailers in the next episode, which um, I don't have to remind myself because it's something I've been thinking about for a little bit. But that it's going to be interesting because I'm wondering if in it now Zemeckis has learnt some lessons about how you do trailers. Possibly, yeah. Um, and I'm sorry if that's a bit cryptic. Hopefully, it's more of a tease of what we'll discuss next episode. But um, we've got Forrest Gump next. So have a look at the trailer for Forrest Gump. Go out and watch Forrest Gump. Yeah, watch Forrest Gump, please. Get in there and watch Forrest Gump. Get, I know if you've just watched it not long ago, get in and don't don't do the whole, yeah, I know what happens. Yeah. Watch it again, with Watch it again, man. There's watch so much we've got to talk about uh, Forrest Gump. And it'll be it'll be a good one because I think we'll have it'll probably be a longer episode than than this one. Yeah, uh, there'll be way more to discuss. In oh, I, look, I think there's a lot more love in it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, this is just a film I I couldn't get into it. I, you know, look and and if someone came up to me tomorrow, yeah. and said, "Look, Death Becomes Her is amazing. Yeah, it's 
funny. It's one of my favorite films. I could accept it. Yeah. Because on paper, I don't think there's literally anything really too wrong with the film. Yeah. I just don't like it. I just yeah. I don't get it. Oh, you know I what I mean? Enjoy it's, it, it comes down to just specific tastes. And uh, this is not my taste of a film. Um, and so if you like, you know, while other films you go, really, you you like that film? Yeah. But what about this glaring plot hole? What about this stupid yeah. video, this stupid directed lazy plotting and um, yeah. da, da, da. And you could go, You're sh- that's crazy. I, and I, I could have an argument with someone. With yeah. this, I couldn't have an argument with someone because I would, their points would be valid. I yep. just, sorry, man, I just don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. I don't get why she's hot. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> it's like when someone says to you, you got to try this food. It's amazing. And mm. then you go there. I had a friend. They're going to listen to this podcast. I love you guys, so don't judge this. But they said, judge, hey, judge away. We've got this great restaurant we want to take you to. Uh, my friends are vegan. Um, we'll take you to this vegan oh, restaurant. Oh, poor vegans. And um, we went to it. And so my preconception was that I'm going to go have a delicious, tasty salad. I thought most vegan films, um, vegan food is meant to be really tasty. Yeah, and healthy. Yeah, and yeah, incredibly and healthy. healthy. We went to this restaurant that was essentially like trying to be McDonald's with plant-based materials. McVegans. So they did chickpea nuggets and things like that. And oh. so like <laughs> afterwards, I walked away from it thinking, you know, it was like these guys were like, this is one of my favorite restaurants ever. And I walked away from it going, I can see why you like it. But I just don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's one of it is those. It's one of those things where you just you don't, you know, you don't disagree with yeah. with if someone liked it. You're just like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I, I can't. It's not me. Yeah, it's, I'm just not me. I'm yeah. sorry, guys. I'm just, yep. I don't like it. If you love it, good on you. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't think any less of you. You know what I mean? Like totally. Uh, uh, Totally, uh, uh. and I can look. I can I can see parts of this film that are really well made, like visual effects stuff yeah. that's going on. I think in it's there. well made film. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a well made film. Yeah. Um. After all your stories, I know there must have been something in the editing process. Yeah. Um. There must have been there must have been some disruption in the back. It end. just feels unfinished, doesn't it? Yeah. It or does. unpolished. Let's say yeah. unpolished versus. Like unfinished because unpolished sort of gives the idea of that it's there. It hasn't been refined. So do you reckon there'd be a director's cutout? Well, it's funny. I did see one article that I that I found online where there's actually actually Tracy Ullman's website puts a link to it, where people are petitioning to have a director's cut released that yeah. features the original ending and all that sort of stuff. So you know, this could be. Um, a film where, and this is pure assumption, so people at home yeah, and yeah. Bobby Z, if you're listening, this is me just speculating. But to me, it feels like a film where someone's given the key to play with as much of the toys as he wants. Yeah. And then people have realized, oh, we don't know if we want him playing with all the toys just yet. <laughs> you you know, like That's when people true. come to visit and you say, quick, go and have a play you know, the kids' room's just out the back and then you get there and you go, oh, maybe I didn't want him playing yeah, with that and then, one. And then, they've, and then they've jumped in too quick before he's finished. Yeah, yeah. And it's changed it. All. Changed everything. They didn't trust him enough towards the... So it's like, here's some freedom, yep. but then we actually, we actually get to see both full freedom for part of it yep. and then we see what happens when that's taken for the yep. first time. So full freedom in the concept yep. and the build. Yeah. 
but not in a polishing. Like you yep. said, it's an unpolishing. Yep. It's almost like um, he's showing him the rough cut. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, because he got fired off Cocoon, no one likes his rough cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's showing his rough cuts and then there's been stuff coming afterwards. Yeah. Yep. So, and we talked about, again, there are some films that happen where they film it and then months later go back for reshoots. Romancing the Stone had the same thing. Yeah. They tested it and then did some reshoots. And so this just felt like too much of the film got changed. Yeah, And it's exactly. just, just a bit disjointed. Um, and this was a time before reshoots were really... Commonplace. Yeah, commonplace. Yeah. Where it's, now it's built in. It's yep. built in contract. I was looking at that Simon Kinberg because they've dropped back the new X-Men movie. And he's like, well, it's logical. All these things are just built in. Reshoots are built in now. Yeah. Every Marvel movie has a has a writ in their clause in their thing yeah. that basically says, Look, you gotta you come back for reshoots. reshoots. We're yeah. gonna plan three months of reshoots yeah. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually like if you think of a movie, if we're talking reshoots, and I love that we've gone on this little tangent, Craig, because it's such an interesting one. If we think films with reshoots, you know, a great example of where their success is is um Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah. You know, Definitely. they came in and they did reshoots. Christopher McQuarrie, the uh, the the genius behind the last couple of Mission Impossibles, yep. he came on board to help oversee them. Did mm-hmm. some script polishing, all that sort of stuff, and you end up with a better film. Yeah, exactly. And look, um, you said you you enjoy. I haven't watched it yet. Solo. Oh, I love Solo. Oh, look, I think it'd be good. I I'm gonna just buy it. I'm yeah, just gonna buy it. Just and do watch it. it for the Target twenty five bucks at yeah, the moment. Yeah, exactly. So I'm pretty. I'm pretty close to just going. I bought it yesterday. Yeah, well, I need it for my <laughs> collection anyway. Can't, I can't not have a Star Wars bin. Oh, a hundred percent. But I think we'll be watching it in the Reed House tonight. Yes, and and so that that's a good successful reshoot. Well, depending. I think Solo's an interesting one because it was such a to get um, six weeks away from the end of filming, and then replace the director altogether. Yeah. And from what you hear, like not much of that movie got kept. They pretty much reshot the entire well, thing. It's, it's almost like getting into the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Which we won't. We won't. But because it's a whole kettle of fish in its own. Look, we let's save that for some for an episode where we can one day look at it. Because I think that that Justice League, Justice League again is a really interesting. So Solo had two directors who were very good directors. Yeah. Uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Yeah. Um, they were removed from the project. Creative differences were cited. Yep. Ron Howard, who is a great director again, great comes director. on board yep. and did so much work, he got full directing credits. Yeah. So it's a Ron Howard film. Yeah. Justice League had Zack Snyder leave in the middle of production. Towards post-production. Yeah. And then um, Joss Whedon comes in. Does a whole mess of reshoots. Supposedly, the last half to third of the film is different. Because Superman was just meant to be a villain, yeah. Yep. And it's still classed as a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. So not even shared credits, I don't so, think. So, and, and on that regard, and I don't think it's not just because of Joss Whedon, I think it also shows, because union-wise, you have yeah. to hit a certain percentage for your name to be on it. Yep. And so you you have to say that really there is no I know people go for this is what remind me of the Zack Snyder cut there of the petition yeah I don't think there's one no no there's there no there's supposedly cut. a rough cut that had like storyboards and things yeah, in there exactly. and pieces there's no but like what he came out the other day and said Batman was meant to die yeah 
You know what I mean? So, but that would make a lot of sense in a Zack Snyder world, and it would also make a lot of sense why Ben Affleck is so cagey about doing more Batman's. Uh, well, it, well, but he was also, but he was, he was never meant to die. I don't think because he was, he was on to direct it. Remember, a standalone, which is a different kettle of fish again. Yeah, exactly. Unless it was because he doesn't have to, to be in. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. Unless he it was a prequel to it all, which. Sort of could be because the new the new iteration of it is meant to be sort of going back into. Look, the, I'm the all Reeves, for Matt Reeves, Reeves coming yeah. on board and directing Batman. But once again, off topic. Yeah, totally. This is a whole nother. The whole we'll nother, save yeah, this for yeah, exactly. For those I know episodes. you and I could just rant on to another two yeah. hours on that. So Craig, let's get to our ranking. Rank on. And look, eight films in. Let's not run through the whole list because. We, we've been ranking each week what we think is Zemeckis' best film Yep. to his least best film. I'm not going to say worst film, yep. but just ranking them on where we, we find them in, in favoritism, I guess. It's, right. not, it's not what we think is the... Um, well, look, I, yeah, exactly. If this is more... Remember, this is personal. Yeah, this is personal. These are personal rankings, okay, guys? Oh, I'm not Rotten Tomatoes. No. I'm not getting paid by anyone else. This is just what I felt. I did check the Rotten Tomatoes score for Death what Becomes Her. Fifty nine percent. Okay, so people are as, as drawn them on yeah, it. Yeah, I think as we I are. think they're they're sitting about where we are. On yeah, the yeah, exactly. Because I, I like I said, yeah, technically it's a good film. Yeah, I, I was just interested in this case, one, especially once I found out that it was considered a cult classic. Yeah, where people would find that film. Cult classic scare me. When well, everyone says a cult classic, I always think it's so. You saying it's a shit film? Yeah, well, it was at You're the time. You're just embarrassed to tell me that it's a sh- that it's shit and you like it. But, <laughs> it's but a, familiarity... It's I'm going to hide under a cult banner. If you listen to anything enough, it's going to get in your head. I've heard that Baby Shark song about 4,000 times. Du, 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 du. Yeah, and, um, you know, after a while, you just sing along with it because it's on. You know, so mm. maybe it is. Maybe there are a lot of people out there that there was a time... There's always a movie that's on all the time on television. Yeah, and true. especially in the nineties, so like it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if this was on TV a lot late night. People were watching it regularly. Yeah, true. And yeah, then this, suddenly it does it's feel like, like that, or a midday movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does feel like a midday movie. So, anyways, where do we rank this bad boy, Craig? Well, I know where I'm going to put it. Well, my top five does not change. No, <laughs> does my top six? Neither. No, does my top seven? No. <laughs> Whoa! You're going number eight. Oh, look, I, I'm keeping my list. Yep. As per my heart. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what. That's but what look, I think. Once again, if we went full technically, I yep. would say you know Roger Rabbit's pod number one. Yeah, Back to yeah. Two, and then I'd almost put this around three or four if we're talking technical. Yep. Um, but I just never enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoyed I, used cars more than this. It's funny because I've been torn if it's going to be my lowest or if it's going to be my yeah, second I, lowest. Yeah, it has to be at my lowest because I have to look at it from the view that I want to look at it. I'm not looking at this as a critic because I don't want to be a critic no. on this podcast. And no, no. I never friggin' do. This is I about just, what we love. Yeah, exactly. This is the, it goes against what we are. We're just two dudes talking about directors we love. Yeah. And this is a film that I just basically, yep, yeah, ate. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one, yeah, and, and, and it's not an insult to people who like it. Please, uh, I'm so torn on this film. It's not an insult <laughs> to people who like it. It's just I never enjoyed it. I never I'm, enjoyed it. I'm really sort of 
Yeah, I'm I'm torn in it. I actually <laughs> here's where I thought I would put it, and I might stick with it because that's sort of where my heart was sitting. But I actually was going to put it above used cars. Yeah, and under I want to hold your hand. So at number seven for me, oh, not cool, number cool. eight. Yeah. And and it's purely because I think the thing that stands out with used cars was just how unprepared for mean spirited Zemeckis movies I was. Yeah, true. Whereas it makes sense that it could come from the same man. Yeah, true. After watching Used Cars. Yeah, exactly. If if Used Cars wasn't mean spirited, I would be totally blown away and probably claim that someone else made this but movie. You, but here's in in defense of used cars. I oh, know I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> in defense of used cars, they have lighter moments to bring it up. Yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. But hey. and, and and there were some characters in there that I sort of sympathised with. Yeah. This I'm just like, ah, oh, they got immortality. I just wish they were dead. <laughs> it's so you know true, what I mean? And that's the, that's the tragedy of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you don't just. And I think that's probably you'll find that that's the end payoff that Zemeckis wanted. That it deals with immortality for people yep. who don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's again the the poke at the upper class, how they're basically like the Walking Dead. They've had yeah. so much surgery exactly. that they're exactly yeah. So all right, that's really interesting. I'm I love how much we're on the same page with these movies, because yeah. really there's not too much different about no. how we feel about it, which is really really fun. Um, so look, I think we're about done with uh, Death Becomes Her. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. There's right, been some great moments to this episode. Yeah, yeah. I'll look, season boils out. But but that's the thing. I you know I say thank God because I just I, I I can't find a redeeming quality. No, and hopefully this is just a um, you know, a cleansing of the palate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we've sort of we talked about how Back to the Future finishing was like the end of. A golden era. So yeah, it's like exactly. if we're looking at his career as a graph with peaks and troughs. Yeah. So the the highs were really that Back to the Future Roger Rabbit time. Yep. And it's very clear this was a sharp drop. Yeah. From I, Back to the Future three, and we know next week we're going back up again. And, and, and I know I keep going on about it. It's I don't think it's a technical drop. No. <laughs> and that's the thing. I don't. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't think. I just don't like it. Yeah. It's like it just one of those meals where I'm like, yeah, I don't like it. I just, I'm sorry. I just don't like that meal. All the pieces there. It's like someone yeah, made exactly. a dinner yeah. and all the right pieces are there. Yeah. But for some reason, it doesn't come together it's, to be it's like delicious. like if someone said, hey, let's have um, hot dogs and ice cream. Like, that sounds like, that sounds awesome. But you know, it's not. But if they were blended up and yeah, put blended together up in into a drink. Yeah, blended up into one. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty gross. That's pretty gross. That's actually making me sick now. All right. Well, Craig and I are going to get off mic and do a paper, scissors, rock as to who's writing the article about this film. Uh, no, I'll do it. Oh, Craig's going to do it. So good. I'll do it. No, no, because there's, there's, there's a lot of things to... Um, there's a lot of things to delve into a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay. And awesome. once again, if I go on, you know, like similar to my article about um, the pulp heroes. Of yeah, the time, yeah. You can actually go into these into these ones here as well about the melodrama about this film and um, yeah, and, and and where it gains its inspiration from. Yeah, especially Tales of the Crypt. Yeah, if we go into Tales of the Crypt, you know, and and, and that's and it is from that I can see those point of view. And so yeah, I 
Yeah, I'd be interested in writing about Awesome. That. Well, that's great. So you can find that blog. It's going to go up this week. Usually we're dropping them on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that'll be up on our website, which is fftlpodcast.com. Where can other people, where can they hit us else, Craig? Instagram. Instagram. Facebook. Yeah. Go to our website, like you said. Yeah. And you can shoot us an email as well. Yep. At info at fftlpodcast.com. Awesome. And if you want to hit us up on Insta, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter. I forgot about the old tweet tweets. We're at FFTL Podcast. Um, so from first to last is the FFTL, if you haven't worked that out. Yeah, but exactly. FFTL Podcast everywhere is what we are. Yep. Um, so hit us up. We want to hear from you. We want you to follow us. We'll put some behind-the-scenes stuff up there. And if you understand this movie, can you tell me? Please, I'm not being smart. I want to see, um, once again, I want to see people from the community, The yeah. uh, uh, you know. Um, I'm not going to go through the LGBT things, but you know what I mean, that community, please. Um, send me an email if you f- tell me why that's a cult classic too. But if you're also just a huge movie buff and, and you love it, tell me why. Yeah, yeah, Can let tell us me know. Why? Look, hey, seriously, if you write an article and it's awesome, I'm glad to post a link to it. So um, good. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad to post a link to it. If, you, if you're smarter and you're able to see what this what the aim of this film was, Please, man, I'm happy to bow to bow to your knowledge, man. Love it. I'm happy to learn on this one. Love it. Hit I just us feel up, like people. I don't understand. It's just over my head. I'm exactly the same. <laughs> like I said, it's like someone's a whole group of people are in on a joke that I just don't get. Perfectly said, Jeff. Perfectly um, said. So next week, Craig, Forrest Gump. Forrest, Forrest Gump. I can't oh. believe I can't believe we're there. Do you know what's crazy as well, Craig? It's the halfway point of Zemeckis' films. Madness. So, well, actually, it's sort of a, if we say halfway through, Forrest Gump is the halfway point because he's got 19 films. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Brooke. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the numbers <laughs> cut down. Thanks, Brooke. So, but Brooke's my wife. Goes, we, <laughs> we really, like, it's exciting because as we said before, it is, we're, we're, he's got such a big body of work that we're essentially at this point where most filmmakers aren't mm. making this many films. Yeah, exactly. So it's really exciting. And the Forrest Gump, post Forrest Gump, well, let's say post-Death Becomes Her, there's so much excitement to delve into. Oh, I'm excited to get into these movies. I'm yep. really excited. Like, I'm excited. I was excited to get into this movie as yeah. well. Um, and so, but I'm excited to get into the rest of it because I'm, obviously, apart from Forrest Gump and, and these other big hits, Castaway, um, I've only seen him once or twice. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they haven't been staples in my upbringing. Yes. Um, and so these are really cool to go revisit them. And we're, we're starting to progress from that... Um, 90s, yeah. which we were kids, yeah, into the 2000s and beyond, which is sort of like we're now at that stage of our lives where we're no yeah, longer exactly. kids watching kids' we're movies, adults. yeah. So, there's all these different things that are, ca- that are sort of happening in our journeys in life as well, yeah, exactly. These would have been so, bad um, times. So yeah, so tune in next week. It'll be next Monday. We're dropping the, the, the episode. Hey, listen, out there, if you are Google users and you are being upset the fact that our podcast has not shown up on Google yet, I'm sorry, but those suckers don't let Australians post podcasts. We're <sighs> working on it. Check it out everywhere else. Subscribe on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Yep. Check it all out. Um, but, yeah, those guys from Google, they oh. ain't being cool. <laughs> Do so, no evil, whatever. I know, I know. So tune in next week, guys. Forrest Gump's going to be a heck of a fun time. That and, will be a fun time. And man. I can't wait to talk about it. So uh, 
from us here at From First to Last Podcast. I'm Jeff Reed. <laughs> I'm Craig Killian. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>